I'm going to pray, and then we can jump into it. Father God, uh, thank you for what you're doing in Kalfa here tonight, God. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, thank you for uh, what you want to do in each of our lives, God, as you minister through the Word. God, would you just illuminate your Word? Uh, open up our hearts. Help us to, to really be able to receive and understand what you're trying to teach us, Father God. God, would you help me to teach? Help me to communicate. Uh, Holy Spirit, just what you want spoken, God. God, would you prepare our hearts, God, and, and would you uh, help your word to take root in us, Father God, uh, and use it to make us the men and women of God that you want us to be. God, would you be glorified in everything we do tonight. Jesus, would you be lifted high. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good to see everybody. Uh, a little bit of, earlier, during the breakout time, I asked you guys a question about the time that you maybe got most in trouble growing up. And I want you to think back to the sense of fear that came before punishment, right? So when you got big time in trouble with mom, big time in trouble with dad, big time in trouble with, with whoever, and then just that kind of sense of like, uh, I don't know, what are they going to do, right? What's the punishment going to be? And just that, that, that fear. Is there, is there a fear in the world that's like that? That fear of like, oh no, that punishment's coming, right? That's uh, just like, it ruins your whole day, right? Uh, you'll be having a fine day, and then you'll remember, oh yeah, when I get home, I'm catching a beating for real. Uh, that, 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 that fear of punishment, that kind of gives you the, the mind space to understand where we're going to be tonight. Uh, that, that, that feeling of, of, of fear of what, what's coming, that fear of punishment, um, you know, that, that fear of harm, that fear that's coming our way. Um, and what God has to say to, to that feeling, because, uh, man, you may not get in, in trouble with mom and dad anymore, but the life is still full of situations uh, that make us deathly afraid, right? Deathly afraid. Uh, where we're not sure the best way to navigate a situation, situations that are hard, that are difficult, that are uncomfortable. Um, and some of us have social anxieties and fears where it's like, I mean, even talking to another person uh, is, is DEFCON 4 on the fear charts for me. And, and trying to think about, man, graduating college and, and living life and getting a job and doing a career and getting married, having kids, like uh, just the fear. The fear sometimes can be overwhelming, right? Um, so, man, John has something super helpful for us tonight as we're looking at, um, and this is going to be the end, the end of the letter of 1 John, uh, the end of our series all semester. We've been looking at the New Testament letter of 1 John. We're going to conclude it tonight uh, to talk about how God's love drives out fear. Amen? Uh, 1 John, we're going to be picking up in verse 7, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Like I said, we've been doing a series uh, that started at the very beginning of the semester looking at the New Testament letter of 1 John. Who's John? John was one of Jesus' disciples, one of Jesus' apostles, uh, one of his closest followers and closest friends. He knew Jesus maybe better than anybody, uh, and he wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also uh, the Revelation, the last book of your Bible. Um, just, just sharing with us who Jesus was so we can understand him, we can really, really know him. He wrote that his purpose for writing this letter that we've been studying this semester, 1 John, uh, he says in chapter 1, I'm writing you this so that your joy may be full, or that your joy may be complete. And we titled uh, the, the series after that, Complete Joy, because this letter is explaining, man, if you live this way, you can have that life of full joy that Jesus has for you, right? It, it, if you follow these things, if you do these things, um, if, you, if you come to know Jesus in this way, your life is going to be full of joy. That's the promise. And so, um, and that's taking us on a journey, you know, throughout the semester, we've had all kinds of different topics. And I've said a couple times that the way First John is structured is really different than any other book in the Bible, any other letter of the New Testament. 
Um, and it's interesting, instead of being written like a, a, like a research paper where you kind of have a concept that builds and builds and builds on itself, um, it's, it's written more poetically, more like a, a song where concepts kind of come in and out and we'll revisit them later and then we'll come into a new concept and then, and then it'll fade into the back and then we'll revisit it later. And, and so as we've gone through the series, there's been a bit of that. Uh, and, and as we get into the conclusion, the end of chapter four uh, and some passages there in chapter five, we're gonna see some concepts that we talked about earlier in the semester come back as he ties it all together. Uh, so, so again, this letter of First John uh, that we've been going through over the last several weeks, what would you say it's about? What would you say it's about? Um, how to have a life full of joy uh, that begins and ends with having a relationship with God and Jesus. And if I had to say it's about something, I'd say it's about the love of God and the way the love of God transforms every part of our life. Transforms how we live, transforms how we treat other people, Right? And, and just coming to know Jesus, coming to know God in Christ, and, and coming to know God's love transforms everything and helps us to have a life that's full of joy like Jesus intended. So we're picking up tonight, again, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. What we're looking at tonight, we're calling it uh, a love that drives out fear. And this is the conclusion uh, to our series here in 1 John. Let's jump in, into it together. Chapter 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. All the ways he could describe God. He says God is love. Verse 9. This is how God shows his love among us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's atoning mean? Atoning means, means He paid the price. He paid our debt. Right? Each and every one of us, every human that's ever existed, has, has a problem with the Bible calls sin. Uh, each and every one of us has, has a nature that's bent away from God. Right? God wants one thing. We want the opposite. It, and each and every one of us deals with that. Times that we're prideful. Times that we're selfish, times that we do things that hurt ourselves or hurt other people, times that we lie, right? Times that we manipulate. Uh, every single one of us, right, ha ha has this thing. It's called sin in our lives, and that sin separates us from God. Um, we have this huge debt, right, that, 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 that we owe God that we cannot pay. And it says Jesus was that atoning sacrifice. He was that atonement. He was that payment. When Jesus hung on the cross, in one of his last few words, uh, you know, is to say it is finished or paid in full, paid in full. Jesus paid it all. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What's John saying here? Our ability to love one another shows that we truly love God. Right? And we, we've hit this multiple times throughout this letter where he says, uh, man, if you love God, you really got to love other people. And in fact, if you don't love other people, I'm going to go ahead and say you don't really know God. Right? If, you're, if I look at your life and you don't, you don't love people, right? you, you, you can't, can't have love in your heart for, towards people. John says, man, you may not really know God. You may not really know God because when you know God, you're going to have a love in your heart towards other people. He's going to increase your ability to love other people. It may not be overnight. Right? It may not be overnight that all of a sudden, man, I just love everybody. I get along with everybody. No. It's a process. But, man, you should see yourself beginning to 
love people, to see people how God sees them. Even on their worst days, even when they're being hard to get along with, you can see how God sees them as, as a precious son, a precious daughter of God, and someone God loves, someone Christ died for, and say, hey, uh, you may not say these exact words, but hey, you're, you're hard to get along with, but I still love you. Right? And I, still, I still want to be kind to you. I still want to uh, be gracious towards you because God was gracious towards me when I was hard to get along with. Right? And sometimes I'm still hard to get along with. Right? And still God loves me. Uh, and he says, this is real love, guys. Not that we love God first. Not that we, we show God how much we love them and God's like, oh, that's sweet. I mean, I want you in my, on my team. I want to adopt you. No, God loved us when there was nothing lovely about us at all. When we were, like I said, totally opposite, totally bent away from Him. When we were rebels, when we were enemies of God, when we did everything wrong, that's when God said, man, I love Him. Man, I love her. I'm going to send my son to die so that I can adopt him into my family. You know, and our love, again, again he, he loved us first. So our love is in response to that. It says in verse 12, no one's ever seen God. No one's ever seen God. Um, you know, the, the Bible says we can't see God and still live, right? We would be instantly dead. Uh, uh, no, no one's ever seen God, but how do people see God? Through the love we show to one another. The love you show to other people makes God real to them, right? They may hear you talk about God, but it's not till you love Him that they know that it's real, that they experience it, and they see God in you by how well you love other people, Right? They see God in you. Jesus said clearly, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Jesus says, uh, people are going to see God by how well you love one another. People are going to come to know God, not because you man, can, can preach the best sermon, not because you can quote the most verses, not because you pray 10 hours a day. People are going to come to know God. People are going to know that you're my followers because of how well you love people, how well you love one another. Continue on verse 13. This is how we know that we live in Him and He lives in us. He's given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we rely on the love God has for us. Um, and we talked, was it week before last, about doubt, right? Talked about those times that we doubt, that we're, man, God, are you really there? Or maybe, maybe, God, you're there, but do I really belong to you? Am I really saved? Am I really right with God? And we talked about uh, in different ways uh, that we can know for sure that God's there. Uh, different, different ways we can, can deal with doubts when we're struggling with it. Deal with those questions when we're wrestling with them. Um, and and if, you know, if you missed that, it's okay. Uh, all, all of Kyle's messages are recorded and available online. You can go back and listen to it uh, over the break or something. But uh, and he says another way, and when, when we're dealing with doubt, another way that God confirms that he's real and that we really belong to him is by his spirit inside of us. He says this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. You know, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to know that we belong to him. When you put your trust in Jesus to be your savior, when you say, God, I need you. Uh, I can't do anything to make myself right with you. I can't do anything uh, with this debt uh, of sin that I've incurred. But I put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to make me right with God. And Jesus, would you save me? Uh, Jesus, would you be my Lord? Help me to live for you from this day forward. Uh, in that moment, you're instantly made right with God. Your sins are forgiven. You've got a home in heaven. You're adopted into the family of God. But also, another miracle that takes place in that moment is the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. Your body becomes a temple 
of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus comes and lives in you and through you by God's Holy Spirit, right? Lives in you by the Holy Spirit, which is amazing, which is absolutely amazing. Um, it's this Holy Spirit that He's given in us that helps us to know, helps us to know that we belong to Him. Uh, Romans eight sixteen puts it this way: God's Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children, right? That that that, that it's that that inner voice that says, "You're mine, and I love you." We're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna, I'm gonna make a way for you. Uh, on the days where you're doubting and you're struggling. God's Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit uh, that you belong to Him, that you belong to Him, that you're His. That inner testimony of the Holy Spirit within us is one of the ways we know that God is real and also that we're living in Him. And again, this is a callback to, to, to a couple weeks ago where we talked about man, the ways God confirms uh, us, uh, Himself to us when we're struggling with doubt. Uh, verse 15 um, is also a callback to earlier in the letter where John talked about how do we discern uh, between different teachings, different doctrines, and, and how do we know that they're true? And he says, you know that they're true if they acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. You guys remember that? There's a, you're going to hear a lot of different crazy ideas. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of different um, teachings that you're like, I'm not sure if that's true. And ju just this week, I've heard that the, 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 the cult that was real active on campus last semester, that, that, that people have had run-ins with them again this semester. And it's like, man, how... How do I know how to engage that? How do I know that what they're, what they're teaching is not right? John, John makes it really clear in the way that you know. Does it acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That Jesus Christ came in a real human body like you and I have? That He was fully God but also fully human? And does this teaching acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that's the only way that we're made right with God? Does this teaching acknowledge that Jesus literally rose from the dead? Right? And, and, and still lives on today that, that we can put our trust in Him and be saved and be made right with God. You know, so does it teach that Jesus is the Son of God? If it doesn't teach that Jesus is the Son of God, right? And if it tries to fudge on any of those points, man, just toss the whole thing, right? Throw the whole teaching away, you don't need it. Uh, it, it but John, John wants us to be clear, man. We know that it's true if it acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and they in God. Continuing on with the second half of verse 16. God is love. God is love. God is love. Whatever ideas we have about God, right? whatever, whatever preconceptions we bring to the table about who or what God is, uh, John wants to be clear, make it as simple as he can. God is love. God is love. God is powerful. It's okay because he's also love, right? God is, God is holy and just. And man, there should be a little bit of like a holy fear, a reverence, a respect for, whoa, God, you are powerful and you are just and, and I don't even and deserve to be in your presence. But the good news is God is love, right? And, and, and to know that, that the God of the universe, the God that created everything that is, um, that's amazingly powerful, uh, that, that's bigger than we can even wrap our minds around, also loves us, also wants to know us, wants to be in a relationship with us, wants to call you daughter, call you son, wants to say, hey, get up in my lap, let's talk, right? Say, I want to, I want to know you. The God is love, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. God is love. And John continues, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let me deal with the first part of that first. He says, in this world, you're like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. We know, uh, like I said, we know that we belong to God by how well we love one another. It's not going to be an overnight thing that all of a sudden we just love everybody, but a process where we begin to love people like Jesus did. And we know that we're really in God if we're growing in that, growing in love for one another. What does a life look like that demonstrates that kind of love? Man, it looks like Jesus. It looks like how Jesus lived. It looks like how Jesus treated people. And as you read the Gospels, as you look through Mark and Matthew and John and Luke, and you read about how Jesus talked to people, you read about how Jesus treated people, how He loved people, uh, our lives should begin to look like that. Because that's a life full of love. In this world, we're like Jesus. And so if you want to live a life full of love, it means us living like Jesus did. To live like He lived, to treat people like He treated people, to love people like He loved people. And the other way John says that this love manifests in our life and this is going to get in the crux of what we're talking about tonight. It chases our fear away. As God's love grows and grows and grows in our hearts. As we begin to get closer and closer to God and His love is more at work in us, we're going to notice something amazing. That love is going to chase our fears away. It's going to drive our fears away. We talked about, man, what it feels like to just be paralyzed by fear. And just to be imprisoned with anxiety and fear and stress and worry. To be tormented by that. And John says the solution is just opening up your life and letting God fill you with His love because that love is going to cast out fear. It's going to drive out fear. Fear is a normal part of the human experience. Every single one of you in this room has been afraid at some point. It's normal. It's healthy, right? Uh, we are afraid of things that can hurt us, yeah? Uh, or things that we don't understand, so we worry they're going to hurt us. Uh, we're afraid of those things. It's normal. It's natural. Um, I'm afraid of needles. Yeah. I mean, afraid's not necessarily the right word. I just really don't like them. Um, but if you start talking about needles and like, oh yeah, there's a needle hidden around it, I might start to, yeah, there might be some fear in there. Um, uh, you might, I had a roommate do a joke that he, he and then, you know, before I got into bed, oh, I put a bunch of needles in it. Of course he didn't. But just that picture, he said, put a bunch of needles under your covers. You're crawling into bed. You know, you know we didn't do it, but just that, ah, oh, why'd you even say that? It me out. Uh, I, I don't like needles. You guys, you may have something you don't like, spiders or snakes or something. Um, you know, we fear things that we worry can hurt us. So some, some of our normal, understandable fears, they really can't hurt us. There's something we don't really understand, that we worry it's not going to be good for us. A lot of fear is just, we, we're afraid of things we don't understand. John says this, though. He says, fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. It's our way of avoiding pain and discomfort, right? Your body, your mind's way of avoiding pain, avoiding discomfort, avoiding punishment uh, is, is, is that, that, that fear. In some ways, it's good and healthy. It keeps us safe. It keeps us alive. Uh, a healthy fear, a healthy respect of some things is perfectly reasonable. A fear of fire, right? That's a healthy fear, right? It's going to keep you safe, keep you alive. A fear of heights, right, um, is going to keep you from leaning too far over the ledge when you're on that tall building or up on the mountain, right? It's going to keep you, keep you careful, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna be a little cautious. Uh, so, some fears are normal, healthy, man, it, it's good, it's keeping you safe. 
Other fears are irrational fears. Fears that don't really make sense, but I'm still afraid of them. And it doesn't make any sense for me, you know, for, for a little kid to be afraid of the dark. It's not, it's just the dark. I don't know, but I'm afraid. <laughs> um, it's not okay, right? What are some other irrational fears we might have? I don't mean you specifically, but people might have. Afraid of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's being afraid of like the, the whole ocean, which you could drown in, but then some people like, yeah, even getting in like a, a pool that could stand up, and they're like, nah, I'd rather not. There's a little bit of fear there. Yeah, what else? Fear of the sky? Uh, like it's going to fall on you or, or, or being in an open place? Yeah. yeah. Some people are afraid of open places. Some people are afraid of enclosed spaces. Some people are probably afraid of somewhere in the middle. Afraid of people, yeah. Yeah, just afraid afraid of being in an environment where there's multiple people and you might have to, to talk and interact and, and yeah, those kind of anxieties. Yeah, some fears are are normal and healthy and rational, and some fears are irrational. Either way, all fear is debilitating. It hinders us, it holds us back. Again, the fear that's holding me back from fire, that's a good thing. But the fear that's holding me back from experiencing life and the full life God has for me, that's not a good thing, right? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundant. I came to give you life and life in the full. John says, I'm writing you this so your joy can be full. Man, each and every one of us has fears that's holding us back from it. It's hindering us from that. It's keeping us from that full life. It's oppressive and restrictive to constantly live in fear. Fear becomes a prison. It holds us back from the life we want and the life that God has for us. That's not how the Lord wants you to live. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you're feeling that fear, again, the, the irrational fear, the paralyzing fear, the imprisoning fear that's keeping you from living life, enjoying life, you can know that fear is not from God because God is not going out passing out fear, right? Fear doesn't come from God, right? Fear doesn't come from God. I mean, it comes from, you know, whether it's just our own, our own flesh, our own minds, getting us worked up about something. It comes from the enemy that wants to keep you oppressed, wants to keep you in bondage. But it doesn't come from God. What comes from God? Power. Power. And to live this life as a conqueror, right? And you're, the, you're a son or daughter of God, right? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the universe is your daddy. All authority in heaven and earth, right? has been given to Jesus. And he says, man, I give that same authority to you. Uh, and you've got power in this world. Love. That's what God's dishing out. Love. Man, I want to give you love. I just want to dump it into you until it saturates every part of your life and changes everything about you. And a sound mind. Right? Sometimes it's just our brain lying to us, right? I mean, sometimes our, we get anxious, we get, we get afraid. It's all these things. And, and it says, no, I want to give you a sound mind. A sound mind, right? That, that you, can, you can reason things correctly um, and, and, and you can see, man, irrational fears and those wouldn't hold you back. Uh, but a sound mind, right? His ability to understand and perceive. Um, his perfect love drives out fear, is what it says there in 1 John 4.18. But there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. It sets us free from fear's oppressive grip on our lives. How? How? Practically, how? How does love drive out fear? Because when we know that God, when we know God, uh, we don't have to worry anymore about pain or death. Like we said, fear has to do with punishment, right? We, 
are afraid of things that will hurt us or things that we worry will hurt us or make us uncomfortable or that kind of thing. Um, but when you really know God, when you really know God, you don't have to worry anymore about pain or suffering or death. If we suffer, we know that that suffering is only temporary, right? It's only temporary. It's fleeting compared to an eternity we're going to have in the presence of God, right? That I may suffer here in the moment, but I'm going to spend eternity and just enjoying God's presence where there's going to be no pain, uh, no sadness, no suffering, right? So if I know this, this, that this suffering I, I have here on the earth is fleeting, it's just going to pass by, and that helps me to approach it with, with boldness, with courage. If we suffer, we know that suffering is temporary. And when we die, again, we get to be in the presence of the Lord forever, right? So I don't need to be afraid of what's going to kill me because when I die, I get to be with God forever. That's a win, right? That's a win. I'm not anxious to die, right? I'm not like looking forward to it. I don't need to be afraid of it. I don't need to be afraid of it. As a Christian, and there's nothing anybody can do to you. And if they hurt you, okay, then they hurt you. And you still get to be with God forever, right? If they take all your stuff, it's just stuff, right? It's just stuff. And you can't take it with you anyway. And then you get to be with God forever, right? And there's nothing anybody can do to you. You are invincible, right? Because, man, man, all you really need is God, and nobody can take God from you, so you're good. And again, I'm not saying that so that you just, you know, yeah. live, live, <laughs> live foolishly. And the Bible's got plenty to say about how to live wisely, right? God wants to keep you alive so that you can do the business He has for you to do, right? So it's not talking about living foolishly, but it is talking about not living fearfully, right? Not letting that fear bind you and hold you back. Um, many fear death. Uh, because they fear God's judgment, right? A lot of people are afraid to die, uh, you know, because cause maybe it's, it's the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. It might hurt a lot to die. Some people are like, I'm afraid to die because I know when I die, I'm going to have to answer for how I live, right? People are afraid of God's judgment. And honestly, if there's anything that's good to be afraid of, that's it. Like, if there's any, any reasonable fear, that's it. Yeah, every single one of us is going to have to give an account to God for how we live. And if, if, if we didn't put our trust in Jesus to have our sins forgiven, we've got some explaining to do, right? And we're going to be judged for how we live. And if you put your trust in Jesus and you're saved, your sins have been forgiven, and when you stand before God in judgment, uh, and He's not going to punish you for your sins. Why? Jesus already took all that punishment on the cross. Your sins are totally paid for. Totally paid for, right? You don't still owe that debt. When you stand before God in judgment, though, and, and you still will, um, it's going to be and to reward the good that you did in this life. The Christian doesn't need to fear judgment, right? Because, because it's, it's been crawling up into dad's lap and he loves you. It's like, man, well, let's look at what cool good things you did in this life so I can just reward you and bless you, right? Um, but, but he says fear has to do with punishment. A lot of people are afraid to die because they're afraid of God's judgment. But in Christ, we know that we're forgiven. So what are some other other examples of, of ways that love drives out fear, that when we really know God's love uh, helps us to overcome fears. One of, us, one of those is we fear what other people think about us. That's a real common one. We worry, we're afraid of what other people think. But when we know that we are truly loved and accepted by God, other people's opinions don't matter. Right? What does it matter what my classmate thinks of me? Right? What does it matter if the cute girl doesn't like me? Right? God likes me, right? God loves me. What does it matter what other people think of me, right? Honestly, like, what does their opinion really matter? Because 
let's say I impress all the people in the world, but God's not pleased. That's not good, right? But if God's pleased, it really doesn't matter if anyone else doesn't like me. Yeah, I don't have to, I don't have, to have anyone else approving my life as long as God's pleased. You know, so that, that's the way that God's love, man, can be at work in our hearts. We worry so much what other people think when we should be more concerned is God pleased. And if God's pleased, then other people's opinions really don't matter. They really don't matter. We also fear situations that make us uncomfortable. I don't want to try this new thing. That might be uncomfortable. That is outside of my comfort zone. I don't want to do that. But when we realize how much Jesus suffered for us, our discomfort... Our discomfort seems so small in comparison to what Jesus, the discomfort Jesus went to, 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 to suffer and die for our sins, for our healing, for our restoration. So, and that a little discomfort's worth it if it means Jesus can be glorified in my life. A little discomfort's worth it if, if, if it's God's plan to, man, to use me to, to be a blessing to other people, to experience what He has for me. Um, yeah, we, we get afraid of situations that make us uncomfortable, but man, when we, we know God loves us, right? We, we can endure that situation. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can get through it because we know that Jesus suffered before us. We fear losing things. We fear losing things, losing people, losing relationships. But when we come to that place where God is truly enough for us, He's truly all we need. And again, like, like, like in the drama earlier tonight, uh, where, where, where God, uh, I can't live without you. You're all I need. When we get to that place where God is enough for us, it doesn't matter what we lose because you're never going to lose Him. Never, so, so what can people take from me? Right? You take my car. That stinks. You have to walk a lot. Get some rides. Uh, I still got God. Right? You can take my house. Okay, it's getting a little more complicated for me, but I still got God. Right? You can take, take away all my friends, all my loved ones. That's going to hurt. But I still got God. Right? And nobody can take God from me. And when you get to the place where you really understand that, you start getting less attached to things because it's just stuff. Right? And you still love people. Um, but, but relationships, part of growing up is realizing people come in and out of your life, right? And you can fight for some relationships, but sometimes people just come in and out of your life. But, but, but if, you're, if, you're, if you're rock solid in the Lord saying, God, you're, you're, you're what's really important to me. Uh, and if I lose this relationship, it's not the end of the world, right? Uh, God's love is going to drive out that fear. Of, oh, what if I lose her? Or what if I lose him? Right? Or what if I lose it? It doesn't matter what we lose. We're never going to lose Him. And again, this doesn't mean that we still won't have some rational, healthy fears, but it does mean that as children of God, our lives should not be dominated by fear. They should instead be full of God's transforming love, making us more and more like Jesus. John continues in verse 19. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Again, we've heard this before, right? So this is the song that's coming back to that chorus. <laughs> it says, man, if, if you hate people and you claim to know God, I'm going to call you a liar. Uh, for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. God loved us first. Like we already said, uh, God, God already loved us first. We didn't love God first. He loved us first. So any love we have for God is in response to to that in response to his love dropping down a little bit to chapter 5 verse 13 and we're going to kind of heading into the ending here um, chapter 5 verse 13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Verse 13 is, is kind of the other bookend of John's purpose statement for writing this letter. He says, I'm writing you these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that what? So yeah, so that you know that you have eternal life. He said in chapter 1, I'm writing you this letter so that your joy will be full. Chapter 5, he says, I wrote you this letter so you can be confident, so that you can know, that you can believe, that you have eternal life through God in Christ. Right? Those are the purpose statements. And honestly, they're synonymous. Um, if we have eternal life in God through a relationship with Jesus, then we're going to have complete joy. Right? His purpose is saying, I'm, I'm telling you how your joy can be complete. It's through knowing that you've got eternal life through a relationship with God and Jesus. Those two things are synonymous. That's his purpose in writing. That's what he wants to make sure everyone knows. You can have a relationship with God in Christ. You can have eternal life and a life full of joy. Verse 14 says that when he prays, he hears us. That's good news, right? When we pray, our prayers don't just bounce off the ceiling, but we've got a God that loves us, that he hears our prayers, and we can be confident uh, that... that He's going he's gonna to deliver on what we ask. Um, Matthew 7, 11, this is, this is a verse that I committed to memory early, is that God's a good father. And as a good father, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. If you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father uh, give good things to those that ask him? Right? Sometimes when we pray, we're like, God, are you really, really going to give me this? Like, or, or, you know, what's going on? And, and I want you just to picture when you're coming to God in prayer, a father who loves you, who wants to bless you, right? He wants to give you good things. I'm a dad. Jackie's a mom, right? Our kids ask us for things all the time. Like, from the minute we wake up till they go to bed, they're asking us for things. Anna wakes up, says, I want a banana and a bagel with Nutella, right? I, I want this, I want that. And then it just goes, 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 goes until it's time for bed. I want this, this, this. I want you to tuck me in. I want you to to hug me. I want you to, to put, turn my music on. I want you to turn the lights on. Because I like them very often, very often I can say yes to those things. Right? Very often I can say yes because I love them. When you approach God in prayer, you're approaching a God that loves you. He wants to answer yes. He wants to. He wants to bless you. Does this mean that God will always answer yes? No. I don't always answer yes. Jackie does not always answer yes. Um, but you know what? So no, God's not always going to answer yes to you either, but it's, it's better than that. It's better than that. God's a good father, and he knows what's best. Because he knows what's best, the answer is not going to be yes to every prayer you pray. But it's going to be better. It's going to be better. Some things my kids ask for, and they, they, they think they want it. I know it's not good for them. So I'm going to say no, because I'm a good dad, right? And you've got a good heavenly father that the answer to some things is just going to be no. It's just going to be no, but it's not because God's mean or God's withholding. It's because he loves you. Because he loves you and he knows that's really not best. And he's got something better in store. Or he knows that this thing that seems so good to you would actually be destructive for you. Uh, he said, man, I'm going I'm to withhold that because I love you. Because I love you. Not, not to be mean. Um, you know, sometimes we pray and our, our motives are wrong. Right? Sometimes we pray and, and, and God, God's got to do some stuff in our heart right? before, before it can be, uh, can be a yes. And then some things just plain aren't good for us. Um, there's a Timothy Keller quote that, that I love that says, when God answers our prayers, 
I'm going to miss say it, but God answers our prayers um, how we would have asked them if we knew everything He knows. Does that make sense? God answers our prayers according to what we would have asked if we saw the big picture like Him. If we knew everything God knew, we would be praying for the things that God's given us. Does that make sense? And so coming in line with really trusting God, I trust you're good. God, I trust you know what's best. And, and so when I pray, we're going to get whatever we ask for. Or better, right? We're either going to get what we ask for or we're going to get better because you love us. We're so confident in your love for us. And then skipping down to verse 18. This is the end here. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe. The evil one cannot harm them. Again, these, this is, these are things we've been going through the whole series, pulling back ideas. We already spent a big section talking about sanctification and how as, as Christians we should see sin decreasing in our life. He says, man, the person born of God does not continue to sin. It doesn't mean we don't ever sin. When we do sin, when we make that mistake, when we, when we screw up, we say, God, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And he does. Right? But we shouldn't persist in sin. There shouldn't be a sin in our life that we just keep marching on and we don't feel bad about. Right? That as, a, as a Christian, uh, we, should be, we should be distancing ourselves from sin. Um, he says that God keeps them safe. The evil one can't harm them. As a child of God, the devil can't touch you. Right? The devil can't stop you. Verse 19, we know that we're children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Right? The, the, the world is under the enemy's control. But if we belong to God, then the enemy can't harm us. There's nothing the world can do to us. And even if it hurts us, it's temporary, right? Because we get to spend eternity in heaven with God. Verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. Verse 21, this is the last verse of 1 John. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Or in a beautiful translation uh, of the verse that I love, uh, says keep yourself from anything that would take God's place in your heart. God loves you. He wants to fill you with His love. So man, watch out for those things that are going to try to take God's place in your heart. Be, be on guard for those things. Be aware for those things. Um, as we live in God, as we pursue Him in Christ, we must be on guard for anything that would try to take God's place in our hearts. And that's the end. That's how First John is. Um, and you want to have a life full of joy? It's going to mean just getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Experiencing the fullness that He has for you. His love is going to transform you. It's going to help you to stop sinning. Uh, it's going to help you to love other people, even people that are difficult to love. That love is going to fill you up, and it's going to fill you up so much there's not going to be room for all of your fears and anxieties and all those things that hold you back. It's just going to, like, like, like water dumping into to, to a bucket, it's going to displace it. It's going to overflow. There's not going to be room for your fear anymore as you just open up and let that love pour in. Let God fill you up with His love. Let Him transform you with His love. I want to pray for you guys. Um, I want to pray some of you guys got some very real fears and anxieties that you're in bondage of that I believe God wants to break tonight. And some of you guys need a greater revelation of God's love to say, Matt, you've been talking all semester about a God that loves me and I have trouble knowing God that way, uh, but I want to. And I want to pray for you tonight. And some of you guys will say, Matt, if I'm being honest, I'm far from God. I'm not where I need to be, uh, but I want to come back and to those arms that are open wide. Like the song we sang was Admit by Love. Um, come, come straight into your arms, right? Those loving arms that are open. Uh, and that's how God's arms are towards you. 
whenever we're far from God, I mean, God's not sitting at home mad at us. And he's on the porch. So when, when's he going to come home? When's he going to come home? And when we're a long way off, he comes running to meet us. Scoops us up in his arms, right? Uh, puts a robe on our shoulders, a ring on our fingers, right? It throws a party for us. Welcome home. I love you. Waiting for you to come back, right? God loves you. God loves you. Um, let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your word uh, delivered through your friend John. Thank you that we have the Bible. Thank you that we have the encouragement of your word. And I pray that you would encourage students here tonight. I've got to pray specifically for students that are, are overcome by fear. If you're here tonight and you say, Matt, there, there's an area in my life where I'm just being overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Several, several hands. Several, several hands. God, you see, you can put your hands down. God, you see these students, um, God, all of us in some way have, have things that we're, we're afraid of and those fears that hold us back, but we trust you at your word when you say your perfect love drives out fear. God, would you fill our hearts with your love, fill our lives with your love? God, I pray that those fears will get smaller, smaller, smaller and disappear. God, that we'd be confident in you, confident that you know what's best for us, God, confident that you are in control of our lives, that our lives are not out of control, that our lives are not, not a train going off the rails, they're not spinning out of control, God, but that you are sovereign and you are in control of every detail of our lives, that nothing can happen to us unless you give permission. And God, any, any suffering we endure, God, on this earth, God, is fleeting. It's temporary compared to an eternity in your presence, God. God I pray for your love, God, to, to just envelop every student here tonight. Every student here tonight would know uh, just how deeply you love them. If there's any student here, God, that's, that's really far away from you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw them close to yourself. God, that they'd repent of their sins. They'd say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. We believe that you do. As you said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, would you draw students close into a relationship with you as we're moving into the winter break, God, these next few weeks, God, um, I pray that it would be time that students can really draw close to you, Father God, that they block out time in their schedule to spend in prayer, to spend in your word, just to know you better to know you more, to know your love more, to let your love transform them to be the people you want them to be, God. That experience the fullness of life that you have for them, God. God, we prayed for tests and exams earlier, and I pray, just pray again, Lord, help every student that has uh, papers and projects and things looming, God, uh, big finals, big exams coming up that they need help with, God. Would you give them favor with their professors uh, and good grades, God, and help every student to finish strong this semester, God. Uh, we love you. Uh, we trust you for that you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.